This is Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks, the cybersecurity podcast that looks at the vendor-customer relationship. Today, we have a special replay episode, courtesy of our friends at Hacker Valley Media. This is an interview that I, George K., did along with Danny Wolf, founder and CEO of Audience First. She and I released a report in June analyzing vendor marketing messaging at RSA and compared those findings with survey data from security buyers. Our mission was to examine any divergence between those two and suggest ways to close the gap. Look for the links in the show notes to the original interview, which included video, and to the report. Thank you again to Hacker Valley Media for the production and for sharing the recording with us. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. And today we have a very special presentation. I got to tell you a quick story about my life. I remember I was at the United States Cyber Command and I was doing what we were basically calling threat intelligence. And then something special happened. The APT1 report came out and it just broke open the floodgates when it came to threat intelligence and then everyone wanted it. But what happens when there's a lot of desire? There's a lot of people that want to capitalize on that desire. And so people are using threat intelligence here and there and everywhere trying to sell solutions and services. But a lot of folks didn't really know how to do threat intelligence. And so I spent a lot of time bringing a lot of that back into the the place in which it originated right intelligence is all about bringing that context but so many people so many organizations abuse that word threat intelligence that i had to then fix everything uh, and that's what happens a lot in cybersecurity. all these terms these buzzwords people are leveraging it to earn money to sell their solutions and their services. So today we brought on two very special people who did some incredible research on buzzwords, marketing and sales. And how do you do it the right way? Obviously we wanna be able to communicate to the folks that we're talking to, but we don't wanna just use buzzwords to trick people into having a conversation with us. So up first, I wanna to bring to the stage Danny Wolf, she is the CEO and founder of Audience First, and she is one of the most data-centric marketers that I know. Danny, welcome to the stream. Thank you so much for having me. That was an awesome intro, first of all, and really, really glad to be here. Absolutely. And we brought on your partner in crime, George Comedi. He is a tech strategist and the host of the Bare Knuckles Brass Tax Podcast. Welcome to the show, George. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So I got to look at the report. I'm sure a lot of people have read the report at this point, but we got to take it back to the origin that we talk about this hype trap that people get stuck in. When people found out about threat intelligence and how much people wanted it, people started to leverage it. Same with AI, same with zero trust. Where does this hype sort of come from when these buzzwords come about? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes from, um, frankly, from experience, it comes from the stress that we have as marketers and salespeople to sell, Word. Right? right? We create this hype cycle, we get trapped in it, and we don't realize that it's causing a disservice to our buyers and it's causing a disservice to us. Mm -hmm. And so you get you know, sucked into that uh, vicious cycle and it's hard to get out of there once you get trapped in there. Yeah, for sure. There's a cultural inertia also. So like if you're working in smaller startups, you're trying to latch onto a category and you see the bigger players, the publicly traded companies using those terms and you're kind of trying to ride those. And also like when you're trying to differentiate your product, you're in it, you're in the trenches, you're with the features. 
And it can be really easy to just get enamored with that kind of messaging and not think about like, mm -hmm. okay, well, what is the problem we're trying to solve? Because you're, you're just, you're trying to dot the I's, cross the T's and make sure you're aligned with where the, where you think your category is. Um, so I think it's easy to dunk on buzzwords, uh, but it's really mm -hmm. easy to fall into it. And it's really hard to see that inertia and, and pull yourself out of the stream. Absolutely. Let, before we bring up some of the reports so you can walk us through some of your findings, where did this come from? Where did this inspiration to really, because I know you've done this for a while, Danny, uh, going to the different trade shows, seeing what people are doing, like what, what, and then how did you two bring this together as a, as a co-research thing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, actually, this was inspired by um, Joseph Carson over at Delinea, who um, was on my podcast about a year and a half I think almost two years ago. And he said that, you know, yeah, when I ever, when I go to conferences, uh, how do I evaluate vendors? I basically have a buzzword bingo, bingo card. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really cool. I was like, I didn't right. hear that ever before. I didn't know that they, that, you know, folks actually did that. And said, so I told myself, okay, well, what if I put myself in his shoes? Let, let me put myself in the, in the shoes of the buyer. And I was at Black Hat last year. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go through this. And then, you know, from the lens of the marketer, it was a completely different experience. I wasn't evaluating solutions. I was looking at how were vendors presenting their solutions? What kinds of uh, messages were they using? What kind of com uh, campaigns were they trying to promote at the event physically? And I saw a lot of flaws there. I saw a lot of disconnect between what buyers were telling me on the podcast vendors were actually saying and actually how they were behaving at events. And I was like, okay, I need to create a mini report. The first mini report to actually kind of show those gaps was at Black Hat last year. And then I said, okay, I need to do this like full scale, like I have to get the whole floor. I, like, mm. I really wanted to get the whole floor. And I was like, I can't do this alone. RSA is way too big for me to snap photos and manually like process all the data. I was like, okay, let's, let's talk to, to a partner in crime. George and George have um, have their podcast, which is very aligned to to what you know what I'm doing as well. And I was like, you know, it just fit naturally. I asked him if he wanted to help me out, capture all the data, and then create a create a report, kind of distill all that insight. Um, and he's been instrumental in in taking it next level. We also, you know, uh, surveyed buyers as well to actually get mm -hmm. more data from from the floor right and and show that gap and i'll let george add some color there too yeah i mean i read danny's black hat report and was really into it and i thought from our conversations on bare knuckles and brass tacks which you know so we alternate talking to salespeople and CISOs. i was like well we need that mm -hmm. other point of view and we got to correlate like you know what because i think in the industry it's felt like the last two years there's just growing divergence you know like the hype train is accelerating in one direction and the sort of buyer fatigue is going in a different direction. And uh, I mean, that frankly doesn't make us any safer. And also Danny and I have been on the vendor side. It doesn't help us sell any better. So um, yeah, mm -hmm. we just wanted to really, really explore that gap. Yeah, let's bring up the report now because what I'm seeing is it's almost like a conference paradox. It seems mm -hmm. like everyone wants to be different and stand out, but and in doing that, sometimes we end up sounding very similar. And so let's go through some of the, the major key findings of your report. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. Yeah. So we actually were able to capture data from 353 booths. We thought we got all 
600 plus, but it was actually 353, um, which was a good sample size, 57% of the expo floor. And we saw that the top 10 most used uh, buzzwords were data, uh, cloud, protect, obviously AI, uh, cyber in and of itself, threat, zero or zero trust, automated API invisibility. And we actually got some, um, I wouldn't say pushback, but some folks saying, well, I mean, data and cloud is not really a buzzword, but in fact, we uh, we actually thought the the use of cloud and data in the context of some of the primary and secondary messages lacked clarity and and context, and so that's why we marked it as a buzzword. And actually, in fact, I've been on some panels with some CISOs who actually said because of the ever changing field of cloud security, for example, they get confused as to what some of the cloud mm -hmm. security terms are or what cloud security actually means. And so that's what we meant by uh, using, you know, words like data and uh, cloud, uh, for example. And so what would be a scenario in which someone uses cyber as just a buzzword, but not really adding any context to the message itself? George, you want to take that? Yeah. So when you think about the context, and you think about and which we'll get into what people are trying to solve for if you just throw out uh these words and usually they're with some sort of like maximalist messaging like and and that's in the report too you'll see mm -hmm. things like all cyber risks solved or prevent right. the unpreventable or you know and it's like that is really good for the three second span as you're scanning the rsa floor mm -hmm. but ultimately it's sort of vacuous. It doesn't really mean anything. And so there's a lot of use for cloud data and cyber in that because they're just kind of slapping it into these things that don't uh, contextualize what it is you're doing for uh, like a business outcome. Yeah. So uh, in, in the 353 uh, booths that uh, we scanned, we saw that 81% of them used at least one, one buzzword. So right. um that was pretty jarring for us. I mean, what would we have seen if we have captured all of the booths, right? Um, yeah. uh, nine 9% nine of those um, vendors used four or more, you know, with 13% using five or more, mm -hmm. right? So it's uh, it's quite jarring. Um, when you look at some of the examples, which are later in the in the in this deck, um, you'll understand why we pointed out some of these examples as being being jarring. So. Um, it was an interesting insight for us, for sure. Did you see an example of a vendor that utilized no buzzwords whatsoever? Every word had its placement. Every word had context and meaning behind it. Were there any standouts? And you don't necessarily have to name names, but you can talk about how they architected their messaging, how they architected their booth in order to mm -hmm. say, hey, this is as authentically us as we can be without trying to ride the coattails of some of these buzzwords. Yeah, I'll I'll call out a few uh, a little bit later when we talk about booth builds, but um, because they did a good job and it's really a concrete example, but it actually seems to serve your function better. And maybe this is true for the larger vendors who are more established. If you really just have your name, you know, front and center, and you're not trying to use what we called the primary messaging, which was like basically the biggest font on the banner or whatever, and then the secondary messaging. When you leave it as like, you know, here's the logo, here's what we do, 
And then as you get closer to the booth or the demo station, then they've got like some readouts of feature sets or something that draws you into that booth. And then you can begin to contextualize that. But I think it's hard. And that's the trap. One of the traps is you have very limited real estate and you're trying to like haiku a very technical solution. And you end mm -hmm. up just trying to rely on these words to do a lot of work for you, like AI ML. And I'll, I can talk a little bit about why I think that's like totally useless at this point. But you throw it in there because you're like, what? I mean, I don't know how to explain advanced machine learning algorithm in the space that I have, right? And so it, that's the reaction that you get. So sometimes just less is is more. Yeah, and I, I think um, if anything, there's not one specific vendor that I recall, but I remember just um, you know folks or vendors who used clear and concise messaging, just say what it is. Mm -hmm. But that paired with also good uh, booth activity or booth, sup like supplemental booth um, explanate like explanations at the booth, mm -hmm. um, good, clear demos, nothing complex, um, high, high level enough to understand from far and also from, you know, from close by. Um, so that paired, you know, the message paired with the activity and paired with the experience uh, really stood out to me as most effective. And I know we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit later. Great. Hey, let's keep going. Uh, George, you want to take that? Yeah, I think this was surprising. I think um, given the snide remarks leading up to RSA all over LinkedIn and people complaining about invitations that they're getting, I think it would be easy to think that most security buyers just don't even hit the floor. Um, I expected mm -hmm. a, a pretty, I expected these to be inverted, basically these stats. But, you know, we saw a fair number say like, yeah, I hit the floor, but I sort of walk it quickly. And then some, um, you know, a full third were like, no, I walk it really extensively. Like they're genuinely interested to learn more. And I think that means there's a real opportunity. And I really, I want to be very clear eyed about this, right? Like sponsorships are expensive. And they are expensive for a reason because they help pay for the conference, which is why people go to it. So I think for the amount of investment that marketing makes into these events, I don't know that the return is necessarily there for the vendors as it is for people who go and they get the thought leadership and they attend workshops and they attend sessions and they get a lot out of the conference. So I think I want to be very clear what Danny and I are trying to do here is not dunk on marketers, but try to look at it very critically so that more people can kind of step out, be bold, and really, at the end of the day, get more uh, return for these significant investments. What would yeah, yeah. increase that number, that 66 percentage, up to closer to 100%? What might entice buyers to want to walk the expo, expo floor more? Ooh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where do we start? Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, a lot of this is in the report, but just to highlight uh, some of the feedback, it's it's just uh, stop being so pushy uh, and salesy on the floor. Um, understand uh, who I am or, or treat me like a human, mm -hmm. really, um, and not a scan, a badge scan. Um, provide, you know, um, thoughtful uh, experiences in that, I can take insight back to my job, right? Teach me something I didn't know, or if I knew it, just, you know, be clear as to what you're trying to explain. Um, you know, there was a, a great um, a piece of insight that uh, we found in the report was that 
uh, it's hard for people to communicate on the floor. Yeah. Like there's mm. high noise, like you can't right. even hear anything. And like, how, how do we actually have a conversation? And so maybe creating, um, you know, experiences that allow people to lower the noise level and have thoughtful conversations can really up the number of buyers actually coming to walk the expo floor. Because I know based on my experience back at Black Hat, when I did the buzzword um, analysis and messaging analysis, a lot of the buyers loved going to Innovation City, loved taking a look at the new tech coming out. But it's just so hard to, you know, consume information there because it's so loud and mm. it's so, but you know, hustling and bustling over there. So what can we do to, to you know, uh, alter that experience for, for a better user experience at the, uh, at the conference? Yeah, Chris, your question is essentially the central purpose of the entire report, which um, yeah. so I think it draws in not just the messaging, but it's like once you get there, as Danny said, what is that experience? And yeah, that was one of the surprising things is that when we did our survey, security buyers reported like they wanted to have really in-depth discussions, which I think on the marketing side, we think, oh, you know, we have to capture their attention in 30 seconds because they're just like running by. How do I trap them and keep them here long enough to like want a demo? You know, so that's sort right. of like working at cross purposes. So to improve that, I think it really requires like a cultural sea change in how we approach these events. And I will get into this, I think, a little bit later because I don't want to give it all away here. But I, I think it's not just the messaging. It's it's kind of the whole booth training, the way you rotate your teams through the booth, the way you approach people. It's the whole shebang. And I like what you're both are saying about building a relationship, because I mean, really, that's what business is. It's a relationship. Whether you, you look at it that way or not, you want to do business with people that you like, right? I mean, of course, there might be uh, an edge case where the solution is just too good. I don't care who I'm working with. I need the solution. But you tend to find that those relationships that are built, whether you're at a conference, whether you start with social media, those are really where, where business starts to trans transact for all, all intents and purposes. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'll take a one second. I mean, I see some comments here. Yes, teams are incentivized to get as many scans as possible. And uh, well, I can talk about that too uh, a little bit later when we talk about booth strategies, but marketers need and should be allowed to be choosier. And, um, you know, I remember Danny and I going around and talking. I said, I am not your ICP. I tried to speak in the direct language. I was like, I am just here yeah. doing this study. And they were like, can I scan your badge? I was like, I'm not going to answer your email. I'm not a buyer. I am a waste of your time. These are like, words I told right. them and they were like, I, I still got to scan your badge. And wow. I think what was really, uh, I don't want to say depressing, but it was disheartening was, you know, I, I asked people, it was like, so what are you looking like? What do you, this was the last day. It was like, what do you think you're going to get out of this event? And they're like, honestly, probably nothing. And I was like, what you're spending like at a minimum 50 grand for the 10 by 12 <laughs> booth in the center aisle you know, to say nothing mm -hmm. of the big booth builds that run into six to seven figures. And I was like, so, and he's like, yeah, I just, ha I'd have to scan you. Like my CMO is going to tell me I got to scan you. And I was like, okay, you know, here you go. Unsubscribe. Yeah. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, to me, the, the most, um, you know, jarring was a, I was just walking by and some guy comes out of nowhere and he goes, do you have any questions? I'm just like, well, I was just walking by. Like, I don't know. My name is Danny. What's your name? Yeah, Do you have right. any questions? I'm yeah. like, you know what? See you later, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, 
come on, there's, there's a way to, to treat people. There's a way to build relationships. If anything, this is a great opportunity to, to get to know folks, um, and, and see what they're about. Um, you know, we understand the, the need to get those booth scans, but yes, um, charity said it right. Uh, we go for quality scans, not quantity. So, Mm -hmm. hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I talk about these, uh, relationships and, uh, social neuroscience. There's four real relationships between people. Uh, there's altruistic where you're giving, uh, more than you're receiving. There is selfish where I'm going to take and you're going to (laughs) lose. There is spiteful, which we both lose. And then ultimately, uh, you want to be mutually beneficial to each other. And that's what I talk about when I'm coaching marketers or I'm coaching people, uh, sales folks, because you want to have that mutually beneficial relationship. If you have something that people need, you need to also understand what their problems are. If you're like, hey, you, you need this. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you do. I don't know what your company does, but you need our solution. That's definitely the wrong way to take it. So building that relationship from a mutual beneficial perspective, I think is going to be key for anybody on a demo floor for sure. Yeah. And this, this was an interesting insight. Obviously um, I didn't expect anything else uh, apart from that eight. I don't know who, who said that, that they (laughs) think that buzzwords are very helpful, but maybe that, wasn't unclear. Uh, somebody wasn't cl- clear there, but right. um, I mean, average score was 1.8, right? Mm-hmm. Um, folks find it painfully annoying um, and not helpful in in their search for new solutions, right? And especially now, now's the time to make that shift. Yeah. You know, we're we're in Q3. People are looking for new solutions for for 2024, and so this is a good opportunity to take some of this data and maybe uh, flip it. Uh, flip your strategies and tactics on their head if they're not working. So this is it. All right. This is the yeah. juice, you know, so this is the juice. we talked, yeah. we talked about getting, you know, trapped in the buzzwords because you're stuck in the feature set, you know, product team is really excited. Mm-hmm. We just came out with this thing. We're going to make a big announcement at RSA. Cool. And like hype train and train the booth staff. Like this is the thing to say, you know, right. And then you look at this graph and it's like, what do they want to know? What is the business outcome? Um, can you tell me illustrative stories about, you know, if I'm in financial services, do you have financial services? So I could kind of like benchmark, you know, how I'm going against my peers. Do you have industry benchmarks? I mean, this is information that informs budgets, it informs how people buy and why and prioritization. And then that tiny sliver is the specs and the features. Because if you think about that customer journey, I, I just need to learn, you know, I got this laundry list in my head of, priority items I need to fix or address in my organization. Do you map to that? Okay, yes, maybe no. Or then after you get that relationship, they're like, okay, now I need to know how it works, you know? And ideally that's the conversation that's coming after RSA or Black Hat, like after you've built that relationship. And so, you know, I think the way we train teams is usually almost the inverse of this, where it's just like come out of the gate with the features and make sure it stands out against the person next door or, you know, whoever other competitor is going to be there on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of akin this to, I mean, if you were to take soda, for example, if Coca-Cola, instead of saying, Hey, we're going to quench your thirst and uh, have a good time doing it while it tastes what great uh, versus, uh, Hey, we have a uh, eight point, 10 or uh, eight out of a 10 on the carbonation scale where a brown liquid that <laughs> uses sugar and here's some of the ingredients I, I, that would be hard 
to uh, entice people to buy Coca-Cola, right? But no, they they show the story, right? What is the outcome in which you you achieve through buying this product? If if they just listed the the attributes of the the soda, I think it'd be less less thirst quenching, at least from a from a buyer's perspective. Where where does cybersecurity go wrong when we're, we're pushing these features first? Why do we push the features first, and what do we think is going to happen when we're pushing features versus mm. pushing the story or the business outcome? Yeah, well, there's significant resource you know, in any company devoted to R&D and product development, right? So the company, it's a its a, a logical fallacy. I mean, we feel like we've invested all this time. And so if we don't talk about these new features, like what was all of that for? What were those sprints for? What was all the QA for? When really we just, we can internalize that uh, on the vendor side, but we really need to always be mapping it to like, what is the outcome that it helps a buyer achieve, right? Is it a faster time to detection does it you know like and like what do they get out of that oh well they you know they can save time they can reallocate sock resources instead of triage mm -hmm. i don't know you have to really do that customer research you have to talk to your existing customers and i think it's just easy because we're tech forward because we're in the tech and we're not sitting right. where danny frequently sits which is on the side of the customer and like why did they buy the tech in the first place you know because and I'll, I guess now's the time. So the reason I think AI ML is so banal now, even though everyone wants to bolt it on or talk about it, is because if you talk to most CISOs, machine learning is like table stakes. There's like no, first of all, it's been around for at least 20 years in you know technology uh, applications. And there's literally no way to process the amount of data in any system that a cyber vendor is going to touch, whether it's network or uh SaaS applications without machine learning so i think most people are like well duh you have machine learning so then like how are you going to differentiate yourself against another competitor who obviously has machine learning right oh this is one of my favorite slides <laughs> yeah walk through it i always love a good example um and i'm sorry to anybody who we're calling out here we didn't call out vendor names but if this is your top line message at the event i'm sorry. Ooh, sorry but it stood it stood up it stood out um because you know in the 60 plus interviews i've had with cybersecurity buyers two things uh you know irk them lack of context and using absolute terms and over promises, right? Mm -hmm. Again, be clear about what you do. And I understand that there's a need to be kind of witty with your message mm -hmm. at events to maybe lure some folks in. That's fine, but you have to back it up, right? Mm -hmm. With a good explanation, with again, with context, with with folks that you know know what they're talking about, you know, and it doesn't matter who they're they're working for you know, within the departments, right? Marketing, sales, yeah. uh, customer success, sales engineers, whatever. They got to be well versed as to what they do, why they do, how they do it, right? And what we saw uh, in some of these examples, um, when asking, okay, well, what does this mean, right? You know, folks in the booth didn't know how to explain what it. I don't know. Just I don't want to see. I don't want to see your tool. Just tell me in like a few sentences what it is that you do. No, come take a look at my tool. But I don't have time to take a look at your tool, and I don't want to look at your tool. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, these. Uh, these taglines or, or messages that were used really stood out to us as some examples that I think could have been, um, you know, uh, done better and, 
and backed up better, right? When actually coming up to ask, okay, well, what what does this mean, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, literally, like, yeah. what does pre-zero mean? We already know that zero trust is like the most hated term, and then we're gonna <laughs> double down, and we are like Minority Report style tech that like attacks your adversaries. Before I don't know, I don't even know what it means. It drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I that that vendor spent a lot of money marketing all over the city. Yeah. Mm. And that was the only thing that was written. And mm. even and I, I've looked for that vendor and I went to their booth and it was the only thing that was written on their booth. And then when I went up to ask, what does it mean? The the marketing gal couldn't tell me what what they do. Wow. And that that was a missed opportunity. They spent a lot that of money. So much I know money. They did. Let's just set yeah. it on fire. That was on the streets. That was, you know, throughout the the, the floor. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see uh, you all do either a post or even a, a video where you take some of these uh, these messages and maybe you could change the words around a little bit to, you know, not really call out exactly who it is, but then deconstruct it and rebuild it in a way that you think would resonate better mm -hmm. for everybody. I think that'd be a pretty cool thing to see. Yeah, yeah, I'm all about that. And just just going back to that slide i remember specifically uh running walking through the floor um with chris roberts and him literally cringing uh <laughs> reading human error conquered that really mm. ticked him off mm. um i know aggressive. who that vendor is it's pretty pretty aggressive and uh yeah and so um this actually does trigger folks who are looking at you know who are actually evaluating tools on the floor so that mm. was really alarming to me to while walking with some buyers. All right. Mm, look at that. Network opportunities, right? It's all about connection. Mm -hmm. It's all about building that relationship. But yeah, what walk us through what were some of your takeaways from this slide? Yeah, I mean, people go uh, to conferences to extend their professional development, whether that's learning new things or meeting new people you know, it could be mentors, it could be executive sponsors, it could just be peers, maybe you work remotely, and you know, you don't have a local community that's really strong. Um, I was surprised that even in the offsite things like people listed panel discussions, and I was like, y'all are boring, but um, they, <laughs> they really did want to learn. I mean, they, they're being paid by their company to go and they really have to show something when they come back. They can't be like, I got a whole bunch of swag for my kids. Thanks for you know, right. spending the airfare. Um, and so I don't know that you have to overthink it, but like a good example of what I saw was some of the bigger booze had either their evangelists or their chief security officers or their innovation officers. They had uh, predetermined speaking spot. So one, it's a lure to the booth, but also it was like a chance to actually learn firsthand from some of the people. And then, you know, you could shake hands afterwards and uh, meet them. I mean, I see uh, Charity writes on, I got to meet her. I specifically went to the recorded future booth because I knew she was speaking. Um, and I think that's a really great way to draw people in and like begin to build those, uh, those relationships. Absolutely. Actually, uh, for Huntress, John Hammond and I, we're going to be doing something very similar mm -hmm. at the Huntress booth uh, this year at Black Hat. So we're looking forward to meeting a bunch of folks there. But I mean, honestly, and I hope I'm not putting the cart before the horse in terms of this session, 
but it almost seems like rather than trying to convey all of your features and your functions and your product, it almost seems like the, the focus should be building those relationships, bring people to the booth to have a conversation, learn more, even leverage it as uh, market research, really have yes. a conversation with the people that you're talking to, ask them questions about them, try to figure out their pain points and put that in your back pocket. Even if yep. you got zero leads, but you were able to talk to 200 people and understand their problems more, uh, you couldn't do better than that. People pay thousands of dollars for those type of surveys. So if you could almost do like a two for one type of deal when you're doing this yeah, stuff, yeah. I think that would be good. I, you bring up a really great point. And I think when you talk about those booth strategies, you can approach it with that intentionality. You know, if you're a giant company that's got the huge booth and multiple demo screens, I mean, that's one thing. You're there to try and gin up business. Whereas if you're the startups and the 10 by 10s or the 10 by 12s and you don't have a lot of room, I mean, that is, yeah, I mean, if you're especially a remote first uh, startup, like that is incredible market research and you have to approach it with that mindset. I also think you should, if we get away from the MQLs and the scans, if you can also teach your teams to just qualify out fast, like, hey, if it's a student or a consultant, it's like, hey, cool, thanks for coming by, this is what we do. And like teach them how to get out of that conversation faster. You don't need to scan them. It's not worth your time. They're there for the t-shirt, right. get the t-shirt, move on, like, and really have targeted discussions. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk a, bit, a little bit about this, this building of this relationship with folks, uh, you know, speaking from from a place of authenticity, mm -hmm. not trying to leverage those buzzwords. Can folks start to do or think about as they go into uh, places like Black Hat, as they start to construct their booze, obviously some things are probably mm -hmm. in flight already, so they can't change too much at this point. But what should people start to think about when it comes to being authentic, speaking in, in normal terms for people to understand, but also how do you build that relationship with the community? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I always say this to folks, um, if you're not genuinely curious, you're going to have a hard time building an authentic relationship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have to want to get to know a person. Um, and then that's going to lead you to, to kind of digging into the right questions to ask folks and which will open the door for you. Right. I always say lead with some vulnerability. I always want to know uh, more, right. Because of that curiosity. And so I go in asking for feedback. How can I learn more? What can I do better? You know, I, I want to collaborate with folks too. And so, Hey, can you give me a little bit of time to, to, you know, hear what I'm about and, and give me feedback on how I can improve. And that always works for me because again, I'm leading with some vulnerability. I'm being true and honest about what my intentions are. I'm not trying to sell. And so, and, and saying that I want to, I literally want to get to know you better. And that, you know, fortunately has allowed me to build a business, right. Getting to know right. people better. Um, and, and believe it or not, folks in the security industry, buyers, practitioners, they, they do want to help. They do want to share uh, their experiences because they, they need help themselves. And so when you're leading with that, I think it's, uh, it's a, nice, uh, a nice card to use um, long term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I think operationally and tactically, Chris, this comes down to how you've designed it, right? So if you've designed the booth to be a scan machine, it's going to be a scan machine, right? Mm. If you have right. trained your team and there are people who do this on active listening instead of maybe objection handling, then it means you've approached the conversation with like, how am I going to learn from everyone who steps in front of me? When you do the objection handling, you've sort of 
taught people, you've primed the pump that everyone's in there for to buy something, right? So like if they right. say this thing, you got to go here because assume they want to buy. I don't know that that's a, that's a safe assumption. And so uh, tactically, it also means how are you rotating your teams? I think somebody commented here. Most of those people, it gets hard because after day one, you're just like blasted, right? You've talked to like mm. 200 people. And, and so if you only have two or three people there, you are really not capitalizing on the human energy that you have in the booth. And it's a finite resource. And so I've seen success where you can rotate those teams faster so that the team that was in the booth, and let's say they had like 10 substantive conversations, they can put their heads together at a table and be like, okay, I talked to this person about this. They told me to reach back out in the second quarter. You need those notes. I don't know how many people mm -hmm. on, on this know, but like in the badge scanner, you can put those kinds of notes. I've gone through a lead file of like 300 and whatever scans. And if there's no notes, I mean, right. There's, there's all the same. Well, and then you treat them all the same. Right. And then you mm -hmm. think, well, it's okay. I have all these automated tools. I'll drop them into this post RSA sequence. I'll give them to the BDRs. I think at that stage, automation is approaching a kind of techno chauvinism where you just assume mm. that the technology is the answer to the problem the human interaction that you had in the booth is a human problem. And so the person mm -hmm. who took those notes needs to be able to either own that follow-up or really communicate with the seller whose territory it is and be like, look, I talked to him about this thing. I talked to her about this feature, but she said, I'm interested, but don't reach out till Q2. Like you have to have that level. And yeah, sure. You're going to have some scans where you can dump them in an automation, I guess, but like the really high quality stuff, like, why just sort of like toss it into the into the chipper with the rest, right? But that it's really about that booth training, how you're cycling those teams, how you're building those booths. Um, one, sorry, I'm going on, but one point on the booth build is if it's super like open office plan and you got all like lights and screens, that's where it gets really hard to hear people, right? I I was mm -hmm. standing next to one booth that had a, a screen and the guy was trying to talk to me, and the other booth was screaming about some sweepstakes and I was like I have no idea what you're saying um, it was the motorcycle I think it was the motorcycle right. for sure right there at the bottom of the escalator but um Oof. I wanted to I wanted to give the shout out to Red Canary and Recorded Future I thought they did a really good job they had the booth design to draw in hear some threat intelligence but then they actually had like a roof and the screens and that mm -hmm. roof really did block out a lot of noise you could you could walk mm -hmm. through, you could have substantive questions about whatever you were seeing. And um, I thought that that kind of was good in terms of it went against the grain in terms of, you know, like mm -hmm. big lights and sound and stuff. Right. Yeah, uh, I want to like, definitely get to a couple more points. But folks, if you have questions for George or Danny, feel free to drop them wherever you're watching this. And we'll try to get to as many as possible. Uh, one of the things I think about as you guys started to share this research with folks, I'm sure there were a lot of hard truths that people had to face. I'm sure was, when it, whenever you get that ouch feeling, honestly, sometimes that's growth, right? Because we feel like, ooh, that's a mistake that I made. I, I, I leveraged this, this buzzword or I used this tactic, but I want to do better next time. Did you have conversations with folks that were like, oof, that kind of hurts me right, right, right in the heart there? <laughs> Um, sadly, no, to be honest, not enough, in my opinion. I, I feel like those who downloaded realized, yes, like, this is a big smack in the face. And I think those folks are 
kind of dealing with this information and processing it on their own. I got, you know, like I personally got some, some on the buyer side saying, well, well done. This is really good. Um, Some, some on the vendor side saying, this is, you know, this is excellent information. Thank you. Um, But I'm, you know, the pessimist in me, because I'm a little bit of a pessimist is wondering, will this help? Like, will this Mm. change? You know, will this kind of break the status quo? My hope is yes. Um, my hope is is going to change one percent. I think one percent is a lot in this industry, mm-hmm. um, and I think you know we we riffed on this a little bit, you know, before our call, um, you know, when we were prepping for this. I, I hope this will change. I don't know if it will. I hope things will change, um, but not enough have reached out to me and say, yeah, okay, I really need to change the way way things are done. And I think it's because, you know, a lot of the folks who are charged with you know um, uh, spinning up these events are are you know, have their backs against the wall. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard, you know, again, some, some buyers are telling me, you know, if, if you don't show at the event, if you don't expo, you don't exist. I mean, that's a hard truth to, to swallow. Right. right? Um, you know, you have some really good technologies out there, some startups out there that don't, can't afford to do things at, at the expo. So right. it's, you know, we're in a really tough spot and I, I don't know if I have the answers, if this is the, the answer, but again, my hope is some are, are listening and changing things up and, and, and flipping it. Uh, what do you think, George? Yeah, that again, it's that cultural inertia. I mean, we can sit here and you probably have a team and you're like, this is great. This is our plan going forward. And then you get to Black Hat and you look over your shoulder and people are doing the other thing and you feel that, you know, that peer pressure to go back in that direction. I would say if you find the approach interesting enough or you or you've had these discussions internally like you're tearing your hair out because it's like oh yeah we didn't really get a lot out of rsa i don't know how to show i mean marketing is all about testing so maybe you don't want to go out on a limb for black hat or chris as you said it's already been built but a lot of these companies do local conferences regional stuff and there's an opportunity to start let's develop a different strategy like a b test the booth strategy even the messaging if you want to do a different kind of stand-up banner and just you're i mean fortune favors the bold if everyone is doing the exact same thing and you are a small series a series b startup and you think you can just blueprint what crowdstrike and sentinel one and these big publicly traded companies are doing i don't know why you think you can win competing at their budget like it's that is a losing proposition to me. And I, I think you really have to like outthink that um, and, and really engage. So here's what I think would be, here's what I think would be an excellent study. It'd be awesome if there were a few people there might, maybe they're listening to the stream right now, they reach out and they say, Hey, I want you two to come to my booth this year, check out what we have, mark all the, the no no's that we've done. And then next year, we're going to take all that feedback and we're going to do it the other way. We're going to try to build an authentic connection. We're going to use better messaging. We're going to really cut down on the buzzwords and then ask them about the reactions Mm -hmm. from the people that came to the booth. Right. Did they have more meetings because they were more authentic and they spoke in clean, uh, clear English? Uh, did they have more conversions because the people that came to the booth already knew exactly what they were looking for when they had that first conversation? And then when they had that conversation with the marketing person or the salesperson, whoever that sales engineer behind the counter, they were genuinely interested in their their problems. Mm-hmm. They're generally interested in them, their company. I think that if you did a study like that and show like, hey, we took these 10 folks, 
Uh, these folks made these changes, and this was the tangible outcome from a revenue perspective. I bet you get a lot of people that are starting to change their tune about what messaging they use at, at uh, events like Black Hat and RSA. Yeah, for point sure. me in the direction, point me in the direction <laughs> to those 10 vendors yeah. and we're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> again, hit, you know, yeah. Hit them up, drop, drop a message on, uh, to LinkedIn on uh, uh, LinkedIn to either Danny or, or George. I'm sure they'd love to do that type of research. So if you're a marketer or yeah, you're pulling that stuff together. I was want to say, we also have focused a lot on marketing here for the obvious reasons, but I don't know that buyers are necessarily off the hook. Right. So if, if you, right. I saw some conversations, I've been on the receiving end of some conversations where it feels like the buyer is asking you sort of gotcha questions or just kind of like drilling you like, well, how does the AI work? How does, you know, how's the implementation work? What's your t time? You know, if you're asking those questions, you're incentivizing that kind of messaging and that behavior. And if, if you're reporting in the survey that you want to have these deeper discussions, I would encourage buyers to also approach the booths with that attitude and sort of like try mm -hmm. to change the gravity of those interactions because uh, otherwise marketers are responding to what they perceive is, is the desire, right? So yeah, um, I think that's hard. I, I wanted to give a shout out to one uh, vendor that I saw doing really well which was Tynes, you know, they had a, a smaller booth in the hallway and they had designed it in such a way as they, they had mostly conversations over the panel. And I overheard a, a buyer saying like, I'm really interested, but I don't have, um, I want you to reach out in the next quarter because that's when we're beginning to plan for this project. I thought that was a very forthright and candid conversation. You know, obviously I'm not on the back end. I don't know what kind of messy, but my hope is that that information would be relayed to the outreach. So it would be like, hey, thanks for stopping by. I see here that you want to discuss in the next quarter, I'll put on my calendar to reach back, you know, and just like acknowledge the dance. This is what we discussed. Mm -hmm. This is what you wanted. Is that right? Validate that. And then, you know, you don't have to reach out, right? But it's that follow through from those candid conversations. And it's having those candid conversations in the first place about your budget, your timeline, and just be really upfront. And you'll probably get better results on the other side. Mm -hmm. So let's start to bring it on home. Uh, you know, we're, I want to get to these questions because these questions are piling up. And we also have some great news for everybody out there that's in marketing or cybersecurity about Cyber Creator Con. Uh, but let's bring it on home. The, the tactical stuff that people can do, the strategic stuff that people can do. How do they grow from where they are today to be better, have those conversations, build those relationships and market and sell without the buzzwords and BS. Uh, let's start with you, George. Um, you need to have a really frank and collaborative discussion between marketing and sales. And sometimes they get along in an organization and sometimes they don't. But if marketing mm -hmm. thinks they're bringing home the bacon because I spent this much and I got this many scans and then those scans get handed off to BDRs or sales and they're like, you know, I only got like two meetings out of this because most of them were consultants and students, then you're always going to have that friction. You have to come together and be like, mm -hmm. what is our intention with this event? Is it market feedback? Is it, you know, and you can have a primary or a secondary goal come together. And if you optimize for meetings or pipeline, the way you approach those conversations and those qualifiers are going to be very different versus, you know, if you have two different sets of metrics, it's, it's highly problematic. You're always going to compete with one another. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to echo that. Um, having the conversation between those departments prior, aligning your KPIs, what you're expecting from there, so crucial, so crucial. It's going to make make or break, I think, your event. 
Um, and hopefully this, you know, hopefully this report will give some evidence that will help help that conversation, right? Okay, like this is what we should be doing. This is what we could be doing differently. This is how we should be approaching prior to our event. This is our pre-event strategy, right? Which will help us be more successful at the event. I think um, I think that's key. I think that will change change up the game for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, fantastic. Yeah, you're you're a military oh, yeah, you're a military man, Chris. So the after action report, right? Like be be yeah. critical. Like here's a spreadsheet. We spent X amount of dollars on the event. This mm-hmm. is the T and E for the employees. This is what we got out of it or our perceived goals. You know what can we do better? Don't just assume like we did RSA last year, so we're doing it this year. You know, and yeah. you got to really, you just have to really have some hard critical thinking conversations. But, I, you know, we talked about pressure and time. I think that is a, a big piece. It's sort of like RSA is over onto the next, onto Gartner, onto whatever. Yeah, you really have, right? You, you got to take, you have to build the time into the process to really evaluate it. Otherwise, you're just sort of iterating on the same mistakes over and over. Mm-hmm. Feedback is a gift. You have to leverage it. Let's get to some questions. All right. Do you plan to do the same ana- analysis uh, at other conferences like that? I'm still recovering from RSA, <laughs> but <I don't> know. <laughs> um, this was a behemoth of a project. But I mean, I'm not against it. George, what do you what do you say we make this? Uh, yeah, virtual? we could try to make that happen. Maybe maybe Deb will help out. No, <laughs> we, we need a we need more volunteers. It's really it's a lot of time. It's a lot. Of yeah. Time. By the way, shout out to um, uh, Katie, um, who actually helped us. Uh, she's one of my marketing gal who ha- actually helped us capture all the data, and, like yeah. write, like put it all out in Excel, and then we all cut it. It was a lot of work, folks. This was yeah. this was a behemoth of a project for sure. But I'm not against doing this again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to help, definitely reach out to to George and Danny. So if events, uh, so are events even worth it? That's a good question at the end of the day. Or would vendor budget be better off spent elsewhere? I think events are totally worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think fostering uh, community engagement to support some of the smaller events, um, you know, like B-sides could could be great. Creating a safe space for uh, buyer collaboration uh, could really, really help Mm -hmm. come in and sponsor that, um, you know, community for them, that experience for them super valuable. Um, I think, you know, I think those large events could, could help you. They could help you if you approach it right. All right. Mm-hmm. If you're coming in, doing the the work ahead of time, um, coming in and setting up those uh, conversations with people that you built relationships with, um, making sure your, your calendar is fully booked with people that you know, and that, that could potentially, you know, become advocates for you or buyers, right. Or yeah. customers. I think, I think that's uh that's definitely worth it. Events right? are just yeah, events are one hundred percent worth it. It's just what you come to it with and what you want to take away. So for smaller startups, it might include you know partnering with your uh, channel partners or either other vendors to do some offsites, right? Because maybe you can't afford you know seven million dollar booth. Who can? Um, and so maybe you have to play it tactically one year and another. But it's undeniable when you have a black hat, when you have a Gartner, when you have an RSA. You know, how are you going to get that many security buyers in one physical location? You just have a huge concentration and you can build those relationships that will allow you to do other things like um, maybe involve them when you're in their region. 
right? I mean, it pays dividends, mm -hmm. but you really have to like map out what you're hoping to get out of it, which is going to be more than one thing. Because if you're like, I'm going to RSA for revenue, good luck. But, um, you know, mm -hmm. you just have to like be really intentional about those goals. One more up there. Uh, what about publishing a top 10 booze after the event provides some good publicity and reward good behavior? It's an interesting suggestion. What do you all think? I did this last year at Black Hat um, on LinkedIn, though. Uh, but again, not against it. Um, I don't know that I saw 10 that were uh, exceptional. Um, mm. There were a few that I liked. But I think what we should do next time is is survey folks to give us their vote. Yeah. I mean, me, I'm, Ooh, I'm yeah. very, I'm partial. I mean, I like I like people at the vendor booths, right? And I like their brand and I like the colors. Again, I'm not the, the right person, I think, to be surveying this. I have my yeah. opinions. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think the survey could be could be compelling and that that's something that we could uh, do next time for sure. Yeah, that might be a, a way to crowdsource a lot of that information. Uh, you know, have people call out what they like, what they don't like. Yeah. Why did they think this was like one of the top uh, booze? And then provide a little incentive. Maybe there's something that you all could do for them uh, for giving you all this information. I think that'd be really cool to see. Yeah. Yep. Fantastic. I want to be sure that people know where to get the report. Uh, what is the best way for people to, to get the report? Um, yeah, I mean, we, I could link it into this session here. Um, you can uh, yeah, we have people on the, the, the link, but yeah. Yeah, I could go to audiencefirst.fm. I'll bring it up to the homepage so people can find it. Um, it's deep in resources, so uh, <laughs> we'll bring it up to the homepage for folks. Uh, but yeah, and if you want to collab on this potentially with us, or if you have questions, don't hesitate to to reach out to us. You could do that through LinkedIn or through the website, audiencefirst.fm. Absolutely. And we I have to give this uh, special announcement. Uh, first heard for everyone that's on the stream uh, today, uh, one of our favorite relationships is with the Cyber Marketing Society. And they have their annual conference every year. And we've been a part of it every year since uh, they started the Marketing Society. This year is going to be in Austin, Texas, December 10th through the 13th. And we're doing something really special on the Hacker Valley side embedded in the conference. We're having our own Cyber Creator Con. And it's going to be on December 11th. Uh, it's going to be down at the Marriott downtown in Austin. Uh, that whole day is going to be full with panels and speakers. We're going to have an opportunity for creators to collab with each other and create content. And also, I think this is one of the most special things that we're gonna have is we're gonna have a speed dating where we're gonna match up uh, these creators with marketing leaders there at the conference in a speed dating format where you can get to know each other, perhaps do some sponsorships, maybe even do some type of collaboration together. So if you are a cyber creator or someone who's even thinking about being a cyber creator, be sure to visit the uh, Cyber Marketing Con uh, website forward slash uh, Cyber Creator Con and you'll be able to get your ticket there. If you're not able to make it there down to Austin, Texas, we are going to live stream it. So there is a uh, virtual ticket as well. So if you are looking to create, you're looking to craft your messaging in a way that does resonate with folks, be sure to check us out. And uh, we'd love to see you there. Uh, Danny and George, I just have to say thank you so much for all that you do for the community. I mean, this data first approach to marketing, I think is something that we all need to see. I'd love to see that follow up study where you take somebody that 
leveraged a bunch of buzzwords and then what that impact was after you did a little bit of massaging for that messaging. But I think everything that you're doing, anything, everything that you continue to do is incredible for us. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to hop on the mics with us. Do you have one final sit, a word of advice or one thing that you want to say to everyone on the stream today? We'll start with you, Danny. I'd say for the marketing and sales folks, don't be discouraged. Keep on it. Uh, build those relationships with buyers. Lean in with curiosity. Uh, ask for feedback and reach out if you have any questions. Mm -hmm. George? Yeah, be curious, be bold. That's it. That's all you need. With that, be curious, be bold, and we will see everyone next time. Many thanks again to Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings and the whole Hacker Valley team. If you're heading to Black Hat this year, you can catch us all, Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks, and Hacker Valley Media, along with Danny Wolf of Audience First and all three cyber queens, Meryl Vernon, Amber DeVilbis, and Erica Eakins, and the indomitable Alyssa Knight. We're doing a mega panel on August 9th at 5 p.m. at Redwall Studio. Come join us and hang out. Register today at cyberpodworld.com. That's cyberpodworld.com. We hope to see you there and hope you can join us and let's hang.